0: Hey there. Welcome back to Quirky HR. I am Dana and I am your host. And today we are joined by Chris, ha- Chris Hanna, founder and CEO of hire for me He's the host of the Chris Hanna Show, which is a podcast where he interviews entrepreneurs of all facets about their journeys. Um, and he's going to talk with us today about the leadership experience. So Chris, welcome to Quirky HR.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here.
0: Very excited to have you. So tell us a little bit about hire for me and how you found yourself in the talent side of human resources.
1: So I've been building and leading teams for over 20 years across a variety of industries. So like, I started out in the car rental industry. Even before that, if I go back like in university, I was a career advisor, helping people with like their resumes and all that fun stuff you would find in a typical career services department. Uh, So I started in car rental, and I was in IT for a while, and I just kept hiring people throughout. So I ended up hiring, leading, and promoting over 500 people over the last, say, 20 years or so. And I had went to a number of different conferences, and I'm sitting with some business owners last summer, and they're all complaining about how overwhelmed they are, how stressed they are, and they just have no time to hire or to do anything else in their business. And they hate the idea of hiring. And I would give them advice of how to do it. And three people in one day said to me the same thing. I wish someone would just hire for me. And I'm driving back home from Cleveland and I think, well, why don't I just create a company? And I'll just literally call it hire for me. And I will do the hiring for those people who don't want to do it because maybe they just don't have the interest or they've tried and failed or they've struggled doing it. So I've created this company and now I'm working with taking, you know, whether it's a solopreneur going from one to two in their business or the small business owner who already has some people, but they just don't have the the time, the energy, or the desire to do it to hire literally for them.
0: So obviously, given the market, you're probably uh bursting at the seams with uh <laughs> requests.
1: Well, it's interesting, right? Like because like the market itself is is kind of obviously gone through this wild thing. So I'm starting to get a lot of people reaching out who are like, Hey, do you have any positions that you're looking to fill right now? Or can I get some advice on on maybe how to uh, you know, maybe interview correctly or to kind of stand out. So it's been Kind of interesting. Like I go from trying to help on this entrepreneur side or the business owner side, but I'm getting a lot more people who obviously have, you know, an opportunity, they they want to find a job, who are looking for help and support. So I'm thinking I maybe need to pivot a little bit to try and help that other groups too. So like I'm I'm meeting with people just one on one, even just for like for free, just to help them. Like, hey, here's some things that you could do to kind of stand out in an interview. Last week I just read I recorded a session with someone where I said, let's just add some links to your actual you know, resume with a video recording so you can actually go and stand out and be different. And it's like explaining who you are and what you do. Because at the end of the day, that's what they have to do. They got to stand out because there's so much competition now. So candidates have to find a way to be different. And so it's interesting how many people are coming from that angle as well right now. And that's that's increasing more than just the entrepreneurs you know, side coming and trying to work with me. I
0: find that leaders... To your point, they either hate recruiting, interviewing, hiring, um, or they think it's really easy and they kind of like downplay the value in recruiting technique and interviewing technique. Can you speak to that a little bit as to why they hate it and why they suck so bad at it?
1: Well, I'll start with the suck part, right? Because I think a lot of people will do what I call post and pray. They just literally will write up a job posting and then they will pray and they will hope and they will wish that the damn person just comes along magically and applies for that job. And the problem is with that is you get maybe the best you've applied, maybe not the best person for the job, where I think you have to go and hunt. Like you have to go and poach and you have to try and figure out other ways to try and pull in the right candidate. So I think a lot of people then have this aversion to doing it because either they're scared to kind of go out and, and try and actually hire they don't know how to do it because no one's maybe ever trained them on how to almost, I would call it being like a talent scout in a way to go find talent. Um, and I think some people have been burned before, right? Because I think a lot of people, especially with the kind of the demographic that I really you know support, a lot of business owners, they've never had that, that training before. So they'll hire someone. And I know I talked to someone last week about this. They hired people and they ended up firing them a couple of days later because they got the wrong person and they didn't go through having the right interview process in any sort of structure in any sort of way that's going to help them figure out, oh, is this the right person? They hi- they got the first person who applied and like, oh, this person's great. And then that was it. And you get burned by that. And so I think that some people just need that help and support. So it doesn't suck for them. And then they don't obviously like feel like they can never go and hire again.
0: The cynicism that I find in leadership is really interesting. I had a client who was Uh, He didn't want me to he only wanted me to verbally offer and then wanted to get a verbal yes before we put anything in writing because he had been burned two times before by someone who took the written offer and presented it to another potential employer and said, this is what I can get, which I understand. But it's, you know, you also have to understand what the candidates are Asking for, and they want to know that the offer is legitimate, and all the things that you verbally told them are going to come to fruition in the
1: workplace. That's why I think it's so important to have what I call like the ultimate transparent job posting that you have everything really clear and like really specified and laid out. Like, what is that salary range truly going to be? Like, that should be on every single job posting. Like it's it's one of these things that i'm I'm blown away by when people are like oh I don't want to really disclose what I'm going to pay well then like you're gonna have a hard time attracting the right people and if yes you might have been burned before by someone going and taking an offer to the competition or whoever but at the end of the day it's not always going to be that way like just just have some faith in people
0: yeah and I, I I say like you wouldn't want that you know knowing that that's what they do that they're strictly motivated motivated by compensation, that's not the type of candidate that I would want working for my organization.
1: If they're only in it for money, that's, you've got bigger problems.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you um, have a ton of leadership experience. So you said you you had coached 500 people over the last, what, 15, 20 years, you said?
1: Yeah. I yeah. A- Hired, promoted, yeah. trained, you know, over 500 different employees across multiple um, different industries in different countries as well. Because I, I used to run, you know, global team. And yeah, it's it's a lot of different experiences that you kind of have popped up over that period of time.
0: What do you think the biggest misstep is that businesses make around leadership and development of their leaders?
1: Well, I'm going on a little bit of a rant here on this one, because I think that there's so much talk about customer experience. And then people would you know kind of get for a couple of years, it was employee experience, but no one talks about the leadership experience. There's not enough training for leaders. A lot of leaders are left to either figure it out on their own or to fake it till they make it. Or they are kind of, some of them even left kind of feeling like they're just imposters, you know, with no support. And I think that trickles down from the very top. Like if the top has to instill that culture where people are being, you know, really trained and set up to win because a lot of leaders have to deal with a lot of stuff. Like it it is hard to be a leader, especially in today's world. And imagine over the last few years, even with COVID right? The amount of you know challenges that were thrust upon a lot of leaders. But when you're just kind of promoted into a role without support, you're not going to win.
0: Yeah, we see that all the time with our clients. Is, and I'm sure other people that are listening see this too, where someone is promoted into a leadership position because they're good at their job, right? They're good at the technical, tangible parts of their job, but then they're not given the skills to manage the people part, the accountability, the Uh, having tough conversations. And so you have someone who is essentially set up to fail and they do.
1: Yeah. You just, if without support, without even just some guidance to even understand like, okay, how do we do it here at maybe a particular company? You're not going to win. And then you're going to maybe have to be always on the defensive or kind of maybe a little bit more reactive. Like I always say that like the most important time when somebody kind of joins an organization or steps into a new role is the first 14 days. Like first 14 days makes or breaks whether someone's successful or not. But a lot of leaders they'll like get, say get promoted into a role or they join an organization externally. If they're not set up, it is really, really hard to ultimately lead your team the right way, have a good, you know, first 30 days where people ultimately are going to feel like, hey, this person knows what they're doing because whether a leader knows it or not, all eyes are on them. For everything that they do, they don't do, that they say, they don't say, that's why you got to set them up the right way.
0: What are you seeing in terms of what's happening in leadership development and then what should be happening in leadership development?
1: I think that there, it's few and far between, I think, with some organizations in terms of investing in leadership development. Some will say that they do it. But it might be just like, a, I'm going to call it like almost like a check the box exercise where it's like, okay, you get a little bit of leadership development day. We might pull some leaders together for a day or so and try and develop them. But it's not truly, at, you know, getting feedback from the leaders on what do they truly need and what do they truly want? I think that's that's a piece that's really, really missing. Um, some organizations just ignore it completely. Like they're, they're not focused on it. And I think that what I think a lot of, organizations need to remember is that there are great people who might be in HR who come with a a variety of training, development, experience, and background who could maybe help you with building out a curriculum that's going to help, you know, build up up your leaders or to maybe go and partner with, you know, another external agency, like a consultant of some sort to kind of help. But people don't know what they don't know, or they don't want to take the time and the resources because they sometimes think leaders should just figure it out. You're in a leadership position. You should just know this.
0: Mm, Like you're getting paid to be a leader. Everything else is figure outable. Well, it's kind of in a way like there's an
1: undocumented like job, you know, characteristic or something that's on a job description for like leaders and be like you need to kind of invest in yourself. Right. Which is important. You got to figure it out. But it's kind of hard if you've never had an idea about what to do before, how to lead. You have to be shown the way. You need that support. That's why I think like it's really critical that if organizations can have like an in-person kind of, or like a mentorship program of some sort, like being partnered with somebody else who might be at a senior level who has, you know, hopefully had some success from leadership that is critical and that's important.
0: Mm. What are some of the things that uh, the leadership mistakes that someone might be making that are indicative that an organization did pour onboarding or support for that leader in their first, you know, zero to 30 days?
1: Well, if I think back even to earlier on in my career, when I first started as a leader, I was kind of the uh, do it my way or the highway kind of approach as a leader. And I learned that through seeing other leaders as part of the organization, right? So that command and control kind of meant way of leading that shows that, you know what, there's probably not a focus on people and their development and when ultimately like trying to teach them and guide them the right way. So like, that's the one that really, really stands out. I think another one that is is really indicative of like, that there's just a lack of investment in, in, in leaders and in people in general is when they don't care of, like, about these two words that are so important. Thank you. Those are the most important words that every single employee wants to hear. But if leaders aren't even recognizing the small stuff, not just the big stuff where you go above and beyond, but the small stuff, it's indicative that, you know what, there's probably not enough focus on that leadership experience that's going to helpfully trickle its way down. Because again, I always say the same thing. Like if you take care of your people, they're going to take care of your customers. That's going to allow growth, profits, and most importantly, shared success for everyone to follow. But a lack of kind of focusing on the people, the, you know, catching people when they do things right, thanking them, you're going to be in trouble.
0: From an HR perspective, you know, we we don't necessarily come into this career path with training development leadership experience of our own so how can someone in an hr department support a leader who might be struggling or not being as effective as they could be
1: it's it's going to sound very simple as i say this answer but like having one-on-ones like within an organization, I think is really, really critical. And it's kind of an underutilized tool. So someone in HR be meeting with their counterparts of maybe like department, you know, heads or the leaders or the managers of, of certain teams, being able to like bounce ideas back and forth and to be a sounding board can be a way to help other leaders. Like I think that like that communication piece is so critical. Like I've always thought and believed every problem that happens in business is a communication problem. And it's the same thing in life too, right? But like, if I think that the more that HR folks can help leaders on that communication front, you know, how to say it, not necessarily always what to say, but even how to say it, it can be a way to help support them and their experience as they're growing with their teams too.
0: I think too, HR is often looked at as the department to fix things. You know, a manager or an employee will come to us wanting something to just be handled and fixed. And I think in a way it does take a little bit of pushing back on on the leaders, on the employees to to kind of build that that self-efficacy around val like communicating for yourself and communicating expectations and communicating your needs and desires and all of that stuff. Um and even like we do it with some of our clients if we're if we're terminating someone or assisting in like a performance conversation, we always ask the manager, you know, how comfortable do you feel having this conversation? Because ideally, I look at it as the trust is between the manager and the employee. It's not with human resources. And so if I can instill and support the manager in delivering that message, that builds their, their toolbox and their self-efficacy and makes them a better leader.
1: Yeah, and I think that like it's it's great that there's that support, and then the the question that you're asking there on you know how comfortable do they feel? I think when when it comes to terminating someone, it is so critical and important that everyone who's involved knows that they have to make this feel less robotic, and that like you know what this is obviously a conversation. This is a a really difficult day for someone, but like helping both people like the pe- person who is delivering the news and who is hearing the news on the other side of the table through that process, especially if it's the first time that you're ever doing it like that, that there's been so many people who've been, who've been let go in every industry right now over these last number of weeks and months. And I guarantee you it's been a pretty shitty delivery and experience that a lot of people have gone through with in terms of how it's happened with, with, with the news that's been delivered to them.
0: Yeah. I remember I sat through a training once and the it was a leadership training and they the trainer had said, you know, when you are delivering a, a negative message like that or a termination, you know, we so we focus so much on the actual message, like you're fired or you're, you know, you're being written up. But really the focus and the time and the energy should be on what's in it for them. So sure you're losing your job, but here's what's happening to your benefits, and here's what's, you know, if you're collecting unemployment and or if you're being written up, you know, you're being written up, but here's the plan that we're going to put you on to get you back on track. And we focus so much on the, the actual hard part uh, and the the hard messaging versus the development that can follow.
1: I remember the first time that I had to fire someone in my career. Like, and I think it's, I think you always remember your first, right? Um, so I, uh, I worked with my, my HR partner at the time and we kind of came up with the messaging and all I did was just continually try and memorize this like three lines essentially. And before I passed it off to the HR partner to kind of take them through the next steps. And it just came across so robotic and so cold because that's what I focused on when I really should have been there for the person. And when I really truly look back on it now, many, many, many years later, I sit there and realize as a leader, I probably, and I know that I had a hand in why this person did not work out well, because I did not either set them up to win Maybe I brought on the wrong person, you know, didn't train them properly, but like I needed to probably be more human during in that moment for them versus just a robot. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, that's a big takeaway, I think. What about for someone who's in a leadership position and he's is either new or just not feeling like they are being successful, how can they speak up about what they they would need?
1: It takes a certain level, I think, of confidence to be able to put your hand up. Um, obviously, the, the better relationship you can have, either with you know support teams like like HR within an organization, is critical, or your direct leader that you have. We have to be okay with the fact that we need to sometimes say we need help, and maybe it's not working out. Whether it's an employee that's it's not working out with, or how to handle a certain situation, it's it's hard. And you're a new leader though, because you're kind of almost left to think like, I got to fake it till I make it. I can't show any sort of weakness. I can't show that I don't know what the hell I'm doing. But I think that the best way that you can really truly move forward is to ask for help. Ask for advice from other people. I've always believed that, you know, having sync sessions with other people that you work with, so other leaders who are in other departments, and you can maybe talk about what's going on in in your world. What are some of the challenges? Even if it's people related, someone else could give you advice. Again, if there's not that formal kind of mentorship or like an HR business partner that can kind of help you and assist you, get advice from other people. And if make sure it's always behind closed doors as well. But like get advice, like you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to be a hero and go solo because leadership is not a solo game.
0: No, and it's it's definitely the long game, too. It it takes you cannot change the dynamic of your team or the trust that they have in you overnight. It's, it's the long game.
1: And it's also a hard game. Like it's not for everybody too. Like I've had a lot of people that we've put into leadership positions throughout my career who have come back and said, Oh, this isn't for me. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a symptom of probably like taking the best salesperson, person, the best customer service person. And like, Oh, you know what? I think we can, you know, we make a great leader. And then there, it's not for them. It's not for everyone.
0: Yeah. We just had a one of our clients, we just did a leadership uh summit, essentially like a day long thing and and I held a round table with all of them because to that point, you know, we do trainings for employees and we had never really had an opportunity for them to share what they needed. And so one of the questions that I asked them is like what do you dislike about being a leader? And almost every single one of them said that the relationships that we have with our customers are so important that that trickles inwards and that the relationships that we have with each other are so important. And so what they hate the most about that is that it's really difficult to have a challenging conversation because you feel like you're being mean. And I think that in itself is a big thing to tackle because that also requires changing, changing the understanding of the employment relationship. You know, if you're, if you're delivering a negative message and the person on that receiving end is mad at you for doing it because you're their friend and you're not supposed to speak to them like that, that leader is not doing a good job establishing that boundary either.
1: Well, I think one thing that stands out as you say that, that like more organizations and leaders need to find a way to make it win-win and make it genuinely win-win for everybody. So that like, it's not a situation where we're trying to kind of scold someone or tell them that they're doing a bad job. It's in their best interest, but it's about how you deliver that message. That like, this is the right conversation that we need to have to be transparent and honest and give you that feedback to help you ideally continue to thrive and grow and be successful and, you know, whatever it is you're trying to move towards. That's where, again, I come back to that power of one-on-ones. Like you need to have a regular conversation with your employees as a leader and leaders need to have that with their leaders and so on and so forth so that they can talk about what's going on in the world, what are the challenges, what actually motivates them, and what actually drives them. Because if you don't know that as a leader, you're going to have a hard time trying to have those really constructive conversations as well.
0: Mm. What about when an organization maybe doesn't have a large training and development budget? What are some ways that an organization can support their leader's in education and in development opportunities that may not require a large budget.
1: So I'll give you a great example of this is that uh, the last organization that I I had, and I was was CEO of, we didn't have a a formal HR team, but we didn't have much of a a budget on training either. But what we did try to be is really selective to say, hey, you know, is there some money that we can invest for even just a small amount to maybe either partner with an external coach or to send somebody to an event? Because if you can go to, like, you know, I'd say a two day event, maybe only cost you a couple hundred dollars. The amount of knowledge that someone can gain from just a two day event, interacting with people who are outside of their industry, outside of their business, forming some of those connections can really help someone grow as well. Or I would always encourage people to, like, there's a lot, and I mean a lot of free resources that are out there podcasts, videos, courses online. People are always doing webinars, right? Like, there's a lot of content. So I, I would, your schedule content days were with my teams before where I'm like, let's all watch this together and let's debrief and let's kind of go through that. It doesn't cost us anything other than some time. And yeah, time is money, but there's free ways to develop people.
0: You can get creative too. I have a book that I have floating through some of my leaders at one of my clients where I read it, pass it along. It's, it's just making its way and you know, any, any type of content.
1: Absolutely. Like I've done this with with, other businesses but that I've consulted as well where like, I've kind of gone in, I've kind of talked about how I created like almost like a library where people bring in their books that are on like, whether it's leadership development or whatever it's going to be. And we kind of build that and bring in a bookshelf. And then it was kind of cool. I did a thing where I went out out West and I, and I saw a client who had a whole library set up because again, they had heard that idea and they're just, everyone's bringing in books to share. And again, that focus on that personal and professional development is a game changer when you, when people are investing in themselves.
0: I struggle with the amount of pressure that is put on leaders um, to focus on operational things versus people things. Do you have any thoughts on that in terms of, you know, where should their time and attention as a leader
1: be split? So a lot of my background has been in ops, right? So I'd be managing, you know, the, the operations of a team or a contact center or something, right? And as much as I would... People would always think, like, oh, you're like you're focusing so much on the operation side. I would do a reverse where it's like 80% of my time is focused on the people. Because I'm a big believer. It's like just trust your people and they will do the work that you need to do. Don't overthink it. Don't overanalyze it or over-engineer it. Focus on your damn people at the end of the day. Like and, l- so and I let would, them do I, their I, job. Do their job. Like their people job. are going to make the right decision because. Most people, I'll say this, most people have common sense. So let them figure it out. And so if it goes wrong, you know what, it, at least in the industries I was in, it's not life or death. It's a learning moment. So I would focus so much more on the people side. So at one point I had 50 direct reports. It was a terrible structure, but I had 50 direct reports. I just spent a lot of time in one-on-ones with my team and group training and we made it work. And we really, you know, did quite well because all we focused on was the people stuff. I focused on that and I trusted the team to do what they needed to do and have some fun along the way. I'm a big believer in having tons of fun as you're working. It should work. You spend a lot of time and it It shouldn't be boring and it shouldn't be a pain. Mm.
0: Yeah. Chris, so much good stuff. Where can listeners connect with you?
1: So my podcast again is called the Chris Hanna Show, a new episode of that. Uh comes out every single Monday. Uh, so you can find on on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever. And also to make it easy on LinkedIn, you can find a lot of my content, Instagram, TikTok, same thing, the username is Chris Hanna Show as well or they can see my websites hireforme.ca uh, or chrishanna.ca.
0: Fantastic. And of course we'll make sure all of that information is the, is in the show notes go and connect with Chris, give his podcast a listen and uh, connect with him on LinkedIn and you can chat all about leadership. Chris, thank you so much for being on Quirky HR.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you so much.